What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Asian MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything going on in the world of Asian MMA. I'm your host, Dana Bluen, and this episode is brought to you by Procrastination, which is entirely why I have not put an episode up in a month. I have been procrastinating, and I apologize about that. I'm working on it, though. That being said, guys, today, really, what I want to talk to you about is one century. I want to talk about this one century event that's coming up, this crazy, insane double header, and it's going behind a paywall in the US for the very first time. That in itself is interesting. The fact that this is going behind a paywall in the US for the first time is going to be interesting. Also, they showed off their new belt prior to this event. That's going to be crazy. Hopefully, one century goes on. I mean, they've got the typhoon coming in right now to Japan, and on top of all of that, They just had an earthquake before I started recording this. So please, please pull off this event. It is going to be insane. This is not just a stacked card. This is two very stacked cards. Two very, very stacked cards back to back. It's an insane amount of MMA. It's this insane amount of high level MMA. That's one of the craziest things about this. These are all great fights. Every single one of them is fantastic. Fantastic fight. The one thing I I talked about this at the intro, and this is what's really interesting for me is from a business perspective, this is the first time they're going behind a pain wall in the US. So they've got their broadcast deal with Turner. That, that we know about that. So the first part of the card is going to be on TNT. The second part of the card is going to be on this other platform, BR Live. That requires a $9.99 per month subscription. So if you have that, then you can watch the second half of the card. The timing of the card makes it a bit problematic. It's essentially going to be overnight in the U.S., which I think that there's some ups and downs to that. So if you have a cable subscription, you can watch the one on TNT, no problem. And if you pay for BR Live, then you can watch the second part of the card, no problem. If you don't and you live in America, though, you may want to Google VPN. This may be a good time to do that. See what you find, see what happens. I don't know. It might work for you. Let's see. If you guys want to dive a little bit deeper into this, though, I'm going to throw a link in the show notes to an article over on the body lock. You guys can check it out. They go into some detail on the paywall structure. A lot of those things, you can you can start there, go a little bit deeper. I'm just going to talk about my opinions and what I think of it because it's my podcast and that's what I do. I want to get into this a bit more, though, because there are some interesting aspects of this for the U.S. market. From people I've talked to, it seems that In the U.S., people are really willing, and the numbers show this, that they're willing to pay for premium MMA content. And if anything is premium content, One Century is premium content, for sure. That being said, though, I think outside of the hardcore fans, the casuals who are going to be the ones that I think that one wants to attract, those casual fans, are not really aware of one, and they might have a hard time making the value proposition to pay $9.99 a month for BR Live just to watch one. I think that's going to be a stretch. I think a lot of the names in one championship are unknown to casual fans in the U.S. I think that the value that they bring and maybe some of their production is going to be the way they do their storytelling, all of these like wild wildly consistent, conflated numbers about billions of viewers around the globe, potential viewers, sorry, I've got to say potential viewers, billions of potential viewers around the globe. That's going to rub a lot of the casual U.S. fans the wrong way. I mean, it's tough enough as as a serious fan to to sit through a lot of that heavy-handedness that one likes to put into their storytelling and their build-up to the fights. I will say, though, that the production quality of one championship shows is unlike anything in the UFC. It comes across really well on TV as well. I think that's going to be appealing. Their shows look amazing. They look amazing live. They look amazing 
on TV, that's not going to be a problem for a fan to get behind. The issues for them to really get behind are, again, the storytelling, the announcing, some of the stuff that one says, the lack of dramatics that UFC has become known for. I know one is sort of banking on that to separate them. I just don't know how well that's going to play in the U.S. Again, I can't speculate on how well it's going to do, but I would say they're probably not going to get a whole lot of sales. They're not going to drive a lot of subscriptions. They're probably not going to get a lot of people signing up for cable just to check out the TNT part of it either. I, I just don't think it's a well enough known product despite the quality of it. Now, as far as why they're doing this, we can only really speculate. And I think maybe we, we can kind of speculate easily that they might need some cash. There's been a lot of people who've reported over the past year or so about one championship's financial situation. And I think that that financial situation is driving them to try to find new ways for revenue, find a path to profitability so that they can actually make some money. Now, they've got a lot of investment from VCs. The market's not the greatest right now for venture capitalists. A lot of them have taken a shellacking over the past couple of years, and they could be looking at this investment in one championship and really questioning it, really asking, do I want to continue putting money into this? Did I make the right bet with one championship? That, that could be the case. I don't know that it is. So if they're able to successfully drive buys for their product in the U.S. market, then what we could be seeing is that this is part of their path to profitability, part of the path that gets them to sort of validate that billion-dollar valuation that we see them always talking about, that Chattery is always skirting around. He's never quite saying it, but they're always throwing it out there in the media, trying to say that they're Asia's multi-billion-dollar sports media property, but no one knows if it's true. We're probably all speculating that it's not that they're really just conflating these numbers and that's a big reason for their huge social media push i don't know that is what it feels like to me with that being said if they do well if they go in there and they do well they drive subscriptions for br live they have good network numbers for the first part the ufc and bellator have to be super nervous one could be a legitimate threat if the casual fan starts to really get behind it and starts to see it as a product that they enjoy as an alternative to the ufc as an alternative to Bellator. Again, they have the production value to do it. If their market, if their product translates to that Western market, I don't know. The challenge is to try to find that path to profitability. They do need this Western market because the markets where they're most established in, in Southeast Asia do not support the pay-per-view model. We know from their financials that leak that a lot of their marketing and advertising is sort of in-kind service. So they're not making a ton of money from that. They don't sell tickets to their shows. They're not getting gate revenue. They need to figure this out. Now, if they don't, if they don't drive subscriptions, if they don't drive good network numbers, they have to go back to the drawing board. They have to figure out, are they going to come into the U.S. market in 2020? Is this something that they really want to do? Can they afford to do it? And will their investors get behind them? We're going to have to wait and see for that. Now, I got to talk about this belt, though, because they released photos about a month ago, I guess, or a few weeks ago. They released the photos of the new Grand Prix belt. And I've got to say, like, right off the bat, this is a beautiful belt. I'm glad they're putting a separate belt out there to sort of separate the Grand Prix winner from the champions. This design is beautiful. This is a a gorgeous belt. The one little kind of ding I could say against it, and this is so minor, so minor, is that the two little side plates look a little busy. But again, that's so minor. I mean, it just draws your eye when it's laid out, but I'm sure if someone's wearing it, you don't even see it. It's really just a beautiful belt overall. It's a gorgeous piece of hardware. And I think lines design-wise, 
everything about it just looks right. The Pancreas belt will always be my, my favorite belt. I love that belt. I think it's beautiful and simple and something special about that one. But this, this one championship Grand Prix belt, that might be up there design-wise for me, like a very close number two. I mean, it's that good. It's definitely that good. And I'm personally, I know a lot of people love the new UFC belts. I am not one of the fans. I, I think the design is a, a bit too on the nose. It, it doesn't really, it goes a bit too modern in my opinion. So this Grand Prix belt is, is, is very interesting. It's nice. It's, it's classy looking and really a good touch. I mean, they put a lot of thought into this and they really put out something nice. I mean, a lot of nice elements and, and imagery in this one. Again, uh, they have the typhoon going on right now in Japan. They just had an earthquake. Hopefully, hopefully everything goes off without a hitch. I, I would really like to see these two events and I hope one century goes on as planned. That is all I have for you guys today. I know it's been a while since I've been here that I've put out an episode, but with the move coming up in a few days, hopefully you guys will get more content from me. I am trying. I am really, really trying. I did launch another show called Bangkok Strange. You can find that. I'll put links down in the show notes as well. Uh, basically just talking about the strange, odd things that go on in Bangkok and what life is like here. So if you want to check that out, not a ton, not any MMA content on there right now, but links as always in the show notes. Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, anywhere that you can find a podcast. We are probably there. All the links for that will also be in the show notes. And until next time, check it out.